It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by Price Picks. Price Picks is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week, you might be already in it, it might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Today's show is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip on Instagram. Book your own trip with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there, do that, get rewarded. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 537 of Locked on Raptors for, uh, I guess this is probably going to be heard Thursday, June 20th, although I'm probably going to put it up on Wednesday night. Uh, either way, I'm your host, Sean Woodley from RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked on Raptors. Uh, please make sure you're checking out the Locked on Podcast Network. There is the Locked on Mock Draft that's going on right now for all of the uh, inferiors who have to worry about the draft. Uh, if you're a fan of one of those teams that did not win the NBA title and actually has a first-round pick, please make sure you are checking out the Locked On Mock Draft. It's great. Uh, we have uh, five or ten minutes from every host across the network making their picks, some trades involved in there, which are kind of fun. Uh, there, Jeremy Wu from SI also in there offering his thoughts on all the prospects and whatnot. So you are into the draft make sure you're checking out the locked on mock draft on the podcast network and please if you find a show on the network you want to subscribe to uh please also rate and review and support it that way it's the best way to help us out it's free show we're offering it for free so please do the one thing that we ask which is ratings and reviews they're deeply deeply appreciated and without further ado let's get to today's show where we will finally turn the page from the raptors winning the championship and look ahead to the off season which i guess kind of starts on Thursday with the NBA draft, a thing that's happening that I did not realize was happening until Tuesday. Uh, <laughs> so um, the Raptors don't have a first round pick. They pick 59th overall. So really, they aren't really going to be players on draft night. And especially because they're kind of in a holding pattern with Kawhi Leonard. Um, and joining me to talk about sort of the big questions facing the Raptors this offseason is you just heard his little snicker there from Raptors HQ. It's John Godis. What's going on, buddy? Yeah, it's good. I I did snicker. <laughs> uh, are you still basking in the glow of the title? 
Uh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I was up late all weekend. I'm kind of normalizing now, uh, working out a little bit, but yeah, it's, uh, it's nice to have that, like come down from the postseason. It was a really long postseason, mm-hmm. but, uh, just to have that always in the back of your head. And I feel like even like today, there were two or three times where I was like, holy shit, like the Toronto Raptors are NBA champions. Like it's still so surreal. And I think it's only going to get. It's all. It's just going to continue the whole year, like the whole season. They're defending champs. Like that's so. I don't. It's so weird to think about. Like weird and great, and yeah. Yeah, it's it's the best. I can't stop smiling. I can't stop thinking about how like the little gold strip is going to be on Raptors jerseys for the rest of time because they're champions. So that's never going away. Uh, Kyle Lowry forever is an NBA champion. That's never going away. None of it's ever going away. That's really cool. Uh, even Marcus Gasol's hangover is never going away. It's amazing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we will close the book, like I said, on the title-winning side of things and head up to the offseason because that's very quickly approaching here. And uh, there's already been a couple trades. Anthony Davis, obviously going to the Lakers. Mike Conley is on his way to the Utah Jazz, which is kind of cool and fun and weird. And uh, the Raptors are kind of, like I mentioned off the top, kind of in a bit of a holding pattern. They aren't really expected to do much, I don't think, on draft night, considering their entire plans kind of hinge on whether or not Kawhi Leonard's going to stick around. So I figure let's start with the big question. Kawhi, I'm not going to ask, do you think he's going to leave or stay? Because guess what? I don't think a single person in the world knows except for Kawhi Leonard and maybe Uncle Dennis. Because, man, it's really getting to me, John. All these insiders like hopping on like their shows, like like Woj tonight said something on the lines of the Raptors have really closed the gap on the Clippers, but it's going to take a lot for them to finish closing the gap by the time free agency starts. And it's like, what else can they do to close the gap? They just won a title right. and kept him healthy all year. That sounds like gobbledygook that you're making up, and it just does make it sound like you have something to say. And I just I don't think anyone. My theory on Kawhi, and this dates all the way back to last year when. All of the reporting based on Kawhi's injury was entirely guesswork, and a lot of it was pro-Spursy because people have more connections with the Spurs than they do with Kawhi. I don't think any insider in the league has any knowledge of what Kawhi actually wants to do or any real concrete inside knowledge. It's a lot of like just hearsay and speculation and all the words that we love at this time of year. But I just like, I don't know, are you with me? Are you just frustrated by the whole like guessing game? Because I really don't think anyone knows shit. Yeah, no, I totally hear you. I think that the uh, there's there's dominoes in this off season, not just for the Raptors, and we know what the big domino is for them. But I think that across the NBA, I think a lot of people are waiting on Kawhi Leonard's decision. Mm-hmm. And um, from that angle of like the Wojas and the insiders, that's got to be like a frustrating thing because you're like you said. I, I agree with you. I don't think anyone really knows anyone in his camp or gets leaks from his agent or gets anything like that. Uh, like you would other players and I'm not naming names but you know with the Boston Celtics and everything going on there and it's just a total shit show all the time Mm -hmm. because there's leaks because agents are talking and you know some agents use that as leverage like the Rich Paul thing Um, and some agents aren't like that and don't give the kind of insider stuff that uh, those leak guys really you know get off of and make their business off of so it's frustrating for them but I think that there's just going to be a lot of talk for the next 10 days. Um, we might see something concrete leak out at some point, but you can kind of smell BS when you you see it on initial uh, watching. And I think that Woj thing from today 
not maybe not totally BS, but like you said, I don't think there was anything more that they can do. There's small benefits to cash they can offer if it's a short-term deal, and obviously a lot of benefits if it's a long-term deal. Um, but otherwise, they, they've done what they can. They had a perfect season, basically, mm-hmm. for trying to convince a guy to come back. So they've done what they had to do, and I think it's just an individual making a decision at this point. And I don't think anyone really knows what that decision is going to be until, what, June 30th at 6 p.m. now? They've yeah. done it a bit earlier this year, so yeah. Yeah, I don't think, like, the only thing I really believe that is, like, actual hard information is that it's the Clippers or Raptors. Like, I, I think that kind of checks out. That That sounds like it's probably right to me. Um, the, but like, even going, going back to like in the regular season, I don't think anyone really had anything concrete. I mean, Brian Windhorst on a podcast was like, the general feeling with Kawhi is that he wants to go play out West, but also nobody knows what he's thinking. So who knows? Like, it was just like a giant shoulder shrug. Like, why were those words even necessary to be said in general? Um, so yeah, I I think I'm just going to kind of wait it out and not get too up or down when certain reports from certain people come out and just sort of. You know, just enjoy it and watch him laugh at the end of the parade over and over again. Because, <laughs> again, I just really don't think anyone in the league has any sort of information that actually matters. He just feels like the one guy who's unplug and I, uh, I'm i cool with that. And that's kind of the nice thing about this season, too, right? Like, that was, I think, a big reason the Raptors were able to sort of absorb the Kawhi distraction because no one's reporting stuff about him because no one knows anything about him, and he doesn't leak anything yeah, himself. Yeah. and. That kind of helped keep everything kind of chill this season. We have Kyrie like burning the Celtics from the inside. <laughs> yeah, and like that comment after they won the championship about them be- there being some inner turmoil with the team, and it wasn't leaked at the time. We still don't know what happened, and I think that's kind of good as from an organizational standpoint. I mean, we want to know everything mm-hmm. just because we're insatiable with that kind of thing. What with you know the whole vibe around. NBA Twitter and all that stuff and maybe it's me approaching 30 kind of getting over some of that but I'm cool with the fact that a team can have some turmoil and it doesn't leak out and everybody can make fun of it I think that's really good from a a championship standpoint that something like that can happen and it doesn't get out for everybody to see this is Jake from Locked On Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So yeah, I feel pretty good about what the Raptors have done um, when it comes to like the pitch they've made. I think that's kind of the best pitch you could possibly make. As you mentioned, it was pretty much a perfect season. They kept him healthy. Uh, he won the title. He won finals MVP. They built a nice roster around him. They showed they are willing to make big moves. Pascal Siakam became uh, like a really nice co-star if he wants to, you know, have someone to pair with going forward. Someone better than anyone of the Clippers as probably constructed right now. And with all of the sort of weird stuff happening with free agency, maybe the, the Clippers won't be able to get someone as good as Siakam to be the co-star there. 
all of those things make me feel pretty good about it. But at the same time, like if Kawhi leaves, I don't really. I'm not gonna get too upset about it. I think I'm pretty okay. Like the Raptors won a title. They did everything they could, and if he wants to be happy with his family in L.A., like, that's cool with me, too. Like, whatever. that That's fine. Uh, are you kind of already accepting, like, if he does leave, that it's just going to be kind of, you know, the Raptors will figure it out and, you know, that like, good on Kawhi for doing what he wants? Yeah, I think if he leaves, it's still a cool story regardless. Maybe it's yeah. an even cooler story because you have a guy who swooped in, was reported that he didn't want to play, and then brought a city, a championship that they've been waiting for for 24 years, mm-hmm. and then went off to the next thing and did what he wanted to do. Um, if they had come just short of a title, I might have different feelings about that. But, I mean, being where we are right now, I think he can leave and the Raptors are still competitive and are still a fun team to watch and have a bright future, especially with Pascal Siakam, that I wouldn't be too pissed. And maybe that's just me talking now, and I won't feel that way in December if they've lost 10 games in a row. But I, I don't think they're going to be that kind of team even if he goes. So I'm pretty confident in good vibes for next season regardless yeah uh so let's sort of play like a little bit of choose your own adventure here uh we can kind of just like pick apart what the raptors are facing question wise in each of the scenarios so let's start with the scenario that Kawhi in fact stays so we get the report from Woj Kawhi sticking around we'll say it's a two plus one or something like that and uh, everyone has another parade and gets drunk again and Marcus Saul waves his arms around like a maniac and we all love it um what do you think is sort of the plan of action from there if you're the Raptors? There's not a ton in the way of flexibility, and I would highly recommend people read Daniel Hackett's breakdown of the Raps cap situation on uh, Raptors HQ because uh, it's it's very, very detailed and expansive and will help you kind of get an understanding of everything that's gone on. Um, so Kawhi stays... First of all, what would you like the decision from Marcus Gasol to be? He's got a player option for $24.1 million next season. Um, what are you thinking there? Do you, would, you, would you like to see him opt into that? Uh, I would like to see him opt into that. I, it's kind of interesting, the landscape of just the last few days where we're seeing guys turn down large sums of money in the short term to try to secure long-term deals. And yeah. I think the example that, that comes to mind first is Harrison Barnes turning down uh, $25 million, I think, for next year to try to secure something longer term that might be for less money. Um, Mark is kind of a player who won't probably command that type of money, the 25.6 that he's owed next year. If he, but if he wants to go something longer term, that might be a decision he wants to make. He got his championship. Maybe he wants to secure the bag for $90 million over four years just to play and, you know, and get money until he's 39 years old. I could see him wanting to do that. But like from a Raptors fan standpoint... I want him to opt in. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of money for one year, and he's probably still going to command a decent contract next year. Uh, but you run the gamut of, or run the gamble of, he's a champion right now. He's healthy. Just came off a year where he's a starter, and has had his injury troubles in the past. And who's to say that next year doesn't impact, you know, his leverage in the free agency market for the next season? So uh, it's a gamble, regardless on his part. But from the Raptors' perspective, I would love to see him back for another year because it keeps the core strong and keeps him kind of involved in the three-year deadline that uh, you know Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka are on. Uh, a lot of the major contracts in the teams are expiring next year, so he's kind of on that path and with the team now for another year. 
Yeah, I think I want him to opt in as well. Uh, I think sort of the lesser option is him opting out and then like signing a shorter, like a three-year deal for, I don't know, like $45 million, something like that with the Raptors. I wouldn't love that because that kind of eats into your flexibility down the road, but I also really like watching Marc Gasol play. And honestly, it's more of an aesthetic thing than anything. I mean, I think Gasol, you can probably pencil in a little bit more of a decline next season. Obviously, he wasn't the same player that he was even at the start of this year when he was tearing it up for Memphis by the end of the season, but he's still very useful. And I think like a Gasol Abaka platoon at center is still very, very nice to have, even though it's kind of expensive. I think it showed it was a championship level center platoon. So I think you're kind of cool with it. And I, yeah, I, I like if Kawhi opts in or not opts in, if he signs a deal with the Raptors, uh, like I think you can kind of just run it back, right? Like, you don't have to go out of your way to, like, clear space. I think MLSC, considering all the money they would have made off of this postseason run, are probably going to be cool playing the ta- paying the tax next season, especially since, like you mentioned, the timeline kind of sees Kyle, Gasol, if he opts in, and Ibaka all come off the books at the same time, and then you can kind of reevaluate from there. Obviously, Siakam's extension comes into play this summer. I wonder if maybe they hang on... The, and sort of like say hey like dude we'll, we'll pay you don't worry but like we're gonna wait to give you that extension just so we can kind of keep some flexibility down the road um but like running it all back makes a lot of sense to me so that's the that leads me to Danny Green he is of all the guys minus Kawhi who are definitely expiring this season Danny Green is the biggest one he made 10 million bucks last year I don't know what his market will really command. I know people have thrown him out as, like, if the Lakers want to go the route of using a bunch of different uh, guys to fill whatever cap space they're going to have after their shit show front office figures out how much cap space they have, um, he could make sense there. But, like, I think if you bring back Kawhi, I'm cool bringing back Green on a short deal as well, like the two- or three-year deal. Does that make sense to you, or did his decline by the end of the season sort of and I guess the existence of Norm Powell on the roster as well, does that change your view on what Danny Green's future with the team should be? Yeah, I mean, Danny was great for the team this year. I, I see him kind of as a casualty of a championship, Yeah, uh, possibly in this offseason where you have, you know, every championship team, the first time they go and win, there's the fourth or fifth or sixth best guy who can't come back with the year because they just can't make the money work Mm -hmm. uh and danny i think is going to be that guy this summer just because and the lakers are a whole side conversation themselves but there are 10 to 12 other teams in the league that are going to have you know sufficient cap room looking for a guy who can play the two or three play some defense and do in theory what danny green can do on a night-to-night basis Mm -hmm. Uh, whether the raptors saw that every single night not necessarily but he was way more than a trade throw-in for the season and was definitely a great player in the regular season for uh, what they what they ended up accomplishing. Uh, but I can see a team overpaying for him, paying a type of J.J. Redick-type one-year, $18 million-type contract just to get him in the door. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think the market on wing shooters this summer is just so absolutely bananas. Like, everybody, every, every team says they want a wing shooter. Everybody wants these guys who can play you know, all the exceptional wings in this league and play a little defense and just unlock a superstar uh, because that's the recipe to winning. Uh, and I think Danny Green is just that player where he's, you know, on the other side of 30, uh, can take a short-term deal and make a lot of money at this point because he just is that kind of player who kind of fits what is what everybody in the league wants right now. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And if the Raptors get into, like, a bidding war... 
I don't think they should be like driving the price up because I think that's how you kind of get into trouble. Because Danny Green is 31. He's had some injury issues and stuff. I think he likes being in Toronto. Like That seems pretty apparent. And maybe he'd be willing to take a little bit less in Toronto than he would be to go somewhere else and go to a third team in three years. But um, I, I do kind of think I agree with you that he might end up being a casualty of just like the inflated values of guys winning a title. And that's a nice thing about having Norm Powell on the roster, right? It's like Norm showed enough yeah. this year that I think you can kind of plug him in and he can be the starting two next season or you can kind of work on a solution there um, with like your mid-level exception or whatever it's going to be. I guess it'll be the taxpayer mid-level, which won't be that much money, but you know, you can kind of, as the defending champions, I think you can kind of have your pick of the litter of mid-level guys as well, right? And maybe you can kind of, like kind of, that's that's kind of the place they're in now, right? Is, hey, there's a guy who is, uh, there's a team that's in need of a shooter and oh look, they won a championship. That gives them a little bit more clout um, when it comes to recruiting guys. So I think I'm with you. Maybe just let Green go unless you can get him back on something pretty affordable. Yeah, and lest we forget, I mean, they still have a guy obviously in a different position, but a young player is going to be motivated after missing the postseason and OG Ananobi coming yeah. back to be part of that rotation. So um, and he projects to be like a, a supersized, you know, Danny Green type player, just a big three who can shoot the ball and play a good defense. Um, and we still don't know kind of what he's going to be. I mean, he had a really rough season from a personal standpoint. Yeah. Uh, but. The stuff we saw of him, I mean, he's still getting better as a player. So I think that's another guy who you have in the rotation next year who you didn't have in the postseason run, still kind of an unknown quantity, but somebody who you have in the house to, uh, uh, um, you know, carry water. And they still have the MLE as well. Like 9.2 is not nothing and can get a decent player. Like a rotation NBA player can be afforded at that cost. So Mm -hmm. I think they might bite the bullet with Danny Green. I think that's where they're going to go and just let him – walk and make some money and uh try to you know tread water with og and somebody on the mle yeah i think that makes sense uh i don't think anyone on like the back end of the bench is really sort of an answer there i think patrick mccaw probably will see him go somewhere else he's expiring uh jeremy lynn jody meeks eric moreland enjoy your ring i don't think we'll see them back uh malcolm miller chris boucher obviously they're still on for another year beyond this season so Maybe we start, to, we start to see them kind of work into the rotation next year as sort of the the cost of being a championship team kind of, you know, we saw it with the Warriors, right? Eventually guys who are further down in your lineup have to start, you know, contributing a little bit more. And I think we might see those guys figure in, especially since Miller spent so much of this year injured. Maybe he can kind of get into a groove and help on the wing too. Um, but yeah, I, I think the Danny Green one is pretty interesting if Kawhi stays because, you know, obviously the the formula there very much works. And if you can convince Danny Green to stick around, you have his bird rights and you can go over the, over the cap to, or over the tax to bring him back. I mean, could you convince him to take a one year? Maybe they're the team that gives him the Redick one year, 20 million. You know what I mean? Like, Hey, let's just, that's a, that's a huge bill though. Yeah. I mean, then it it gets to the point where they're one, they're one twelve without Kawhi. That's over the cap. So, I mean, you, you figure that Kawhi is going to come back and I sure, I'm sure we can get into the details of that too, but that's like, that's like warriors type money now after the tax. But again, it is on a clock. Like Mm -hmm. it's a good point because it is only a one year clock. So if MLSC is cool paying, you know, 220, with the tax, like a Warriors were last year, then cool. Like let's run it back. Yeah, I, I mean, if the, it's not if, my money. Yeah, exactly. I don't care. <laughs> like, in uh, fact, it's negative my money because I'm on Rogers right now. So yeah, <laughs> screw them. Hey, Danny Green. <laughs> <laughs>
The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Um, so do you think, you know, we mentioned how much there is in the way of money tied up in guys. Do you see a, 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 a reality in which the Raptors decide to offload somebody if Kawhi stays? Like, do you think if Kawhi stays... I think I've seen Serge Ibaka's name kind of tossed around among Raptors fans as like, oh yeah, if Kawhi stays, you probably got to move Ibaka just for a little cap relief for a cheaper center, maybe open up some minutes for Boucher. Do you think that is advisable, or like, would you rather see them just kind of ride it out with Ibaka for the one more year in his deal? I think because it's one year, I think the best scenario that I can think of just from everybody as much as I hate Rodgers and Bell, is just that you bring back Kawhi, let Danny go, and just kind of run it back. Yeah. Because everybody's on that one-year clock. Like, literally the 2021, they have, like, the world's their oyster. Like, they have two people, I think, under contract without Kawhi um, for the 2021 year. So they could do whatever they want, really. Like, sign Pascal into that huge amount of money and then kind of figure it out from there. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think that would just be a move to make a move, honestly. Like, from my standpoint, it's unloading money, unless it's something coming down from ownership where, like, okay, this is getting to be too much. Like, we need to open up some money. Mm-hmm. But, again, that's, like, the the complications of this team and the scenarios and choosing your own adventure kind of comes down to, <laughs> in a lot of scenarios, whether MLSE wants to pay a massive tax bill and what their comfort threshold is. Yeah, and I also don't think the Raptors are really going to be in the business of attaching any assets to Ibaka to move him, right? Like, And I think that would kind of have to be the case. As much as Ibaka has that championship glow on him, centers aren't exactly like in vogue. And there are a couple big ones who are free agents. You've got Balanchunas, you've got Vucevic as well. Uh, Clint Capella could move. Al Horford's now apparently out there. Like, I don't think you're really going to be flush with options for Ibaka to go to. And that's kind of, that plays into the Gasol thing as well, right? Like, I don't think Gasol is going to be looking at a very robust market if he turns down his option. So maybe he'll just sort of, like, look to reevaluate after this season. He seems like he likes it in Toronto, obviously, um, after winning the title here. So, uh, yeah, I kind of think they're both going to, it's not that they're stuck with them. Like, Gasol and Ibaka are both good. Maybe they're aging a little bit, but um, I, I think, just sort of the deal with this team is that it's probably going to skew a little old for a couple of years, and that typically tends to coincide with winning a championship. Um, yeah. And you obviously you still have Pascal and OG and Fred still in the roster. Fred is also in line with that one-year expiry date for this sort of core, too, so keep that in mind as well. Um, let's go to the other side of things. Say Kawhi leaves. Say he goes to the Clippers. Uh, what then happens? I've seen some people advocating for just like a total teardown, which I don't think is advisable at all because they could be pretty good and I think like Pascal Siakam as like the centerpiece is interesting if you're trying to win you know 45 to 50 games perhaps uh with that supporting cast and also like sentimentality wise it would be really shitty to see them just like dismantle the team after winning the title I feel like winning the title and I mentioned this on the last podcast with Katie like winning the title gives you a little grace period here where it doesn't have to be like you don't, where you go dunked on for the entire thing, right? Like, you don't have to <laughs> completely just, like, dissolve all your assets and start a rebuild because you're not going to win a title next season. Like, you just won the damn title. 
And if you're going to be a little bit diminished next year because Kawhi leaves, a lot diminished, obviously, and you're not going to win a title probably, um, like that, that's fine. You can have a year where it's just like Pascal, OG, Fred, and the old guys, and I think that's kind of fun and will be interesting to watch and probably win 45 to 50 games. Like I said, um, where would you come down? Would you come down on the uh, dissolve it all and just go into rebuild mode immediately or give it a year, see what happens, stay good, and continue to do the thing where staying good puts you in position to strike when opportunity sort of knocks? Yeah, I mean... Uh, from a basketball standpoint and from a number standpoint, I, I think it makes zero sense to tear it down immediately. I think that that was the reason why you put in a three-year uh, ticking clock on the core from last year is that you know if it doesn't work, you have a timeline where everybody comes off the books at the same time, and then you can kind of you know turn the steering wheel into whatever direction you want it to be. So I don't think it, it makes no sense from Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster standpoint to set up this plan four years in advance and then all of a sudden because one player doesn't come back that you just blow it up and you know start from scratch a year before you have an opportunity to do that without any penalty coming with it like if they were to give away some of these guys they're gonna have to attach picks to them and they don't have many picks to begin with so i think that it it, it, it really makes no sense from an immediacy standpoint but if he doesn't come back i think next summer you have to reevaluate and kind of let the vets go Mm -hmm. Uh, extend Pascal, extend OG maybe, and try to find somebody in that 2020 market where you can bring in a a high name free agent because they would have the money to do that. Yeah, I'm very much with you there. Uh, It would be super lame and bad if like half the roster wasn't there for the ring ceremony on the opening night of the season. And for that reason alone, I think uh, they should not do the nuclear thing. Also, I think I've seen some people sort of suggest that the Raptors could get like young prospects and stuff for their expensive old guys, and uh, guess what? That's not how it works. Um, That's not how it works at all. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of cap they're, space if out there. Of a 34 year old, it's because they're attaching a pick to it. Yeah, there's That's a lot of cap space out in the league right now that will not last very long because the league likes to spend its cap space right away whenever it happens, and like any of these guys, like maybe Kyle gets you something back because he's on a one year deal and he's very good. I don't think any of the other guys are really fetching you much, and I think I'd rather just see a fun season with the old guys riding it out. That would be cool. That'd be, like, very funky and a sort of different sort of vibe. Not sort of the, you know, when it was DeMar and Kyle, those teams where there's so much pressure on them to sort of improve upon what they'd done the year before every year, and obviously not with this sort of one-year pressure cooker that they were under with Kawhi. Like, next year would be the most relaxed, laid-back season, I think, since, like, 2013-14, when it was the most fun thing ever. And I kind of relish that. As much as I'd like to see the Raptors keep Kawhi and stay awesome, um, seeing Siakam as, like, a number one option and watching him grow and watching OG maybe sort of have a bounce-back year and having Fred and Kyle sort of be the guys who run the show with Gasol and Ibaka playing center, like, that sounds pretty bitchin' to me. (laughs) Like... Yeah. There, there won't be much money if Kawhi leaves, if any at all, to sign anybody, which... Yeah, know, they wouldn't have any money. They, yeah. they have a few exceptions from, yeah. from Hackett's pieces in for me. The, the mid-level's the biggest at 9.3, but even with if Mark opts in, which is the assumption, then they're already over. Yeah, uh, that's if Danny and Kawhi both walk, correct? Yeah. Yeah, so they're not going to have much in the way of flexibility this summer, which... It's fine. Like, this doesn't need to be a summer where the Raptors have to make big moves because guess what? They made the biggest move last summer and it won them the freaking title. No, don't forget that. The Raptors won the title. <laughs> so all of this kind of... It's not that it doesn't matter, obviously, but 
I think it uh, definitely makes less of a pressure on next season to you know go perfectly. Um, if Kawhi leaves, I think this summer you probably just give Siakam that extension, um, unless you want to see one more year of it to make sure it's real. I feel like it's pretty real, and I'd be pretty cool giving him close to his max, if not the entire thing. He's awesome, and he's homegrown, and treating, taking care of your own guys has been a thing the Raptors have done in the past. And if you sort of change your mind in a year or two, you can always move on from him, but I don't see why you want to do that. It feels like he's going to be pretty essential to whatever the next iteration of this team looks like. Um, I don't know, any other sort of big looming questions you have about this offseason? Yeah, I mean, it just stands on whether Kawhi stays or not and after that I think that the questions are pretty small with this team I'm pretty confident they can be you know don't know what the rest of the East is going to look like right now Uh, there's a lot of decisions with the other top teams too and whether the Bucks want to take on you know a lot of money like a Raptors amount of money to bring back Chris Middleton and I don't think they can bring back both of the him and Brogdon Um, so that's going to change. Philadelphia, I think, is going to be very good next year, but they're not bringing back the same core. Obviously, Jimmy Butler wants to get out of there. Um, it's just going to be really different. Obviously, Boston is a tire fire, so they're going to fall <laughs> back a little bit. So it, it is like the Raptors are, you know, in my books, even without Kawhi, a top three team in the East, a 45 to 50 win team. And uh, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with experiencing that for a year. You know, like you said, have every, everybody at the title uh, celebration at the beginning of the year. Uh, run it back with these guys who you know we all love because they won the title, whether Kawhi's there or not. And I think that they would still be a powerhouse in the East because we don't know what the conference is going to look like right now. And these powerhouse teams that were the Raptors were competing with last year are in the same situation as the Raptors are. They're not going to have max level room to bring in as a super free agent. So mm-hmm. they're going to be competitive next year regardless of whether Kawhi comes back or not. And I think I kind of touched on this, but I kind of want to reinforce it because I think it's very important. The idea of like going in the tank and sort of dismantling it all, I don't think really holds water for a few reasons. One, because it's not necessary. Two, because the Raptors just showed the value of staying good and not going into the tank. And by being good for so long, they had a guy in DeMar who built himself into a guy who was able to be traded for Kawhi Leonard. And... They sort of toe the line between being successful and also developing young guys, which I think now that they're going to have their first-round picks back after this season, they'll be able to sort of get back on that train. Obviously, the G League has done wonders for them. And I think there's like an argument to be made that they could just sort of do the same thing. Obviously, we don't know if it would end in a title, but once you get a couple more first-round picks in the, in the mix, like by 2022, 2023... Maybe you're looking at a team that has signed a big free agent because they had room, because they managed the contracts pretty well, and also has a bunch of young stuff you can trade without ever having gone in the tank. I think they've shown that their development staff can be trusted to sort of turn whatever it is they pick into something more than their draft slot would suggest that they would be. And yeah. you're not going to always hit. Like you're never, you're not going to always find OGs and Siakams and Fred Van Vliet's, but the Raptors have shown a propensity for doing it a lot more than other teams can. And assuming everything stays intact, it sounds like Masai Ujiri and the Wizards is not taking place. So that seems like that'll be, you know, stable up top. Um, like there's nothing's guaranteed, obviously, but there's a path for the Raptors to sort of ride the the shine of the championship to becoming more of a destination, right? Like 2020, 2021, obviously 2021 is when Giannis is there, but there's other guys as well in that class um, like that. You know, the, the, this is a team that can say, hey, we have championship pedigree now. They can do the Pat Riley thing and throw rings on the table. And 
that is valuable. And to sewer yourself by getting rid of all of your guys who help you get wins because you lost Kawhi, I think would kind of be doing a disservice and kind of running counter to the ethos that's kind of gotten the Raptors to where they are right now. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at about the uh, the off season. The draft is tomorrow. I, the Raptors pick 59th. I don't know. Uh, I wonder if maybe they buy in using that extra playoff revenue to buy into like the 30s. I know the Sixers have like four second round picks. I think the Hawks have a bunch too. Maybe they'll be looking to sell one. If that's the case, maybe we have a young, interesting sort of early second round guy to look at and talk about later next week. But until then, John, do you have any parting shots here on the draft? Anyone that you want the Raptors to target? You don't know. You know, you're just like me with college basketball, oh my God. right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I know the names of the top three guys. Whose wingspan God. is the longest? <laughs> God forbid. The, the draft is, for me, the worst part of the year because I don't know anything about anybody. Yeah. And Guess what? Most people to, don't know anything have, about anybody. <laughs> yeah, and I have not had to care for like six years. So yeah. it's not... Uh, it's not high on my priority list, and uh, we still have the uh, the uh, awards show to come too. So, oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's cool. that too. Yeah, Pascal will probably get most improved. I would imagine besides going to get Executive of the Year, right? I don't know. It's a dumb award, very dumb award. Yeah, they should vote for that after the playoffs. If of, of any award, they should vote for that after the playoffs. Cause... Yeah, uh, they should do the show before the playoffs too, but that's never going to happen. Also that, uh, or just get rid of the show entirely because it's dumb. Uh, as as I just was made reminded that that sports award shows are stupid. When I turned on the TV and Keenan Thompson in a scientist outfit was talking about how all of the NHL awards were made. <laughs> the joys of cable. Oh I, I don't know what man! It's like anymore. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think that's going to do it. That's the Raptors off season in a nutshell. We'll obviously keep you abreast of all the news and everything on the podcast over the next little while here. We'll talk about the draft and whoever the Raptors pick with 59 and potentially if they buy in a little higher. And uh, we'll keep you posted on all the rumors and scuttlebutt and transactions. And maybe we'll have a podcast where we just point and laugh at the Celtics because that's fun. Um, what a shit show they are. It's the best. Anyway, John, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Where can people find you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at John Godis. Uh, follow me on my fitness journey uh, as I follow a two months, <laughs> two months of eating shit program called the postseason. So that's basically what I tweet about now. Uh, yeah, I was gonna go work out today, and by workout I mean climb the stairs near my house. There's like 500 stairs, a 10 minute walk from my house. Do those a couple times once in a while. Uh, instead, I laid down and did nothing all day because it was my first day of doing nothing in a while, and uh, yeah, I relished it. <laughs> I had those already, so yeah, I'm on the other side of the hill, but you need those too. Yeah, I think tomorrow I might go do the stairs a couple times, and then we'll see if I can uh, make it a habit of it, because boy, I feel fat right now. Super fat! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alright man, this was fun. We will uh, talk to you soon, and everyone, please make sure you're subscribing, rating, reviewing, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and Himalaya. Uh, thanks to Hotels.com for sponsoring today's show. Also, uh, check out We the Champs. Pre-order it now. It's going to be available on shelves on June 25th. But if you can't wait to get that uh, confirmation that you have purchased We the Champs by myself and Alex Wong, please make sure you are uh, pre-ordering it on Amazon, Indigo, wherever you get your books, Triumph Books as well, the publisher that we have. Uh, they have it on their site too. And uh, thank you so much for all the nice response to the book. Very excited for people to get it. I think it's going to be an awesome keepsake for people to have to flip back through and remember what took place during a very, very wild playoff run. And uh, so, yeah, we the champs. Please 
purchase it and uh, help Alex and I make some more money. <laughs> and uh, that's going to do it. Thank you so much. We will talk to you next time with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.